Bullshit-free NHL news, analysis, and insights. Now, here are your hosts, Kevin Naughton and Ben Stewart. Hello, 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 and welcome, everybody, to another episode of 2, 5, and 10. Benny, I missed you so much, I just want to cross-check you in the face. What up, baby? <laughs> I didn't rip a slapper into an empty net, so maybe hold back a little bit. Um... I'm doing good. Uh, we were talking before we hopped on, but I was commenting on having, what is it, two, four, six, eight, what, 13 or 14 games, all of them starting in the afternoon on President's Day. I mean, I work from home, so every day is like a holiday in terms of being able to watch stuff on TV. But it's nice to fill it in, uh, having some good games going on. You guys won. Uh, Matthews gets 49. 10-7 Minnesota over Vancouver, like a lot of yeah. exciting shit. Yeah, a crazy one today. I mean, we, we were lucky enough to get one in past Dallas today, considering I think shots were like 47 to 27. They, they were uh, piling it on. So, Yeah, and in the Minnesota-Vancouver game, it's the first game since 19... Oh, man, I'm trying to do this off memory. I'm going to say 88 or 93 is my two guesses, that one game had three players with hat-tricks. That's pretty good. Yeah, so that JT Miller, uh, Erickson Eck, and Kaprizov had hat-tricks in the game. Yeah, I saw the... Oh, boy. Before the hat-trick today, 20 goals on the year, there was actual talk of should Minnesota be building around him or is he just like an upper level talent and not a franchise guy? And I'm like, God damn it. Didn't Kevin and I tell Minnesota this two summers ago? <laughs> I, was saying, I love uh Boldy. I, I think Boldy's yeah. a kid, but yeah, I don't know. The, yeah, the problem is the, the problem is with, with today's NHL is you come off a good entry level deal Yep. And once you're there, it's, you know, pay me or you're going to bridge me and I'm going to be gone. And yep. that's unfortunately kind of the way the game works now. Yeah, so getting into it a little bit more structure here. Um, I think the first start uh, spot to start is the whole Morgan Riley, uh, really Greg incident uh, when the Senators and Maple Leafs played. Uh, Greg took a slap shot basically from the hash marks into an empty net. Riley cr- comes over. It doesn't take too kindly to being, I guess, shown up. Crush checks him in the face, starts a little bit of a melee. He gets suspended five games. He appeals it. And I think his hearing is tomorrow. Um, and it's an in-person hearing, which usually means it's like, you're not going to get your suspension reduced. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as for the act itself, yeah, it's one thing. You jump them, you challenge them, you have a go. Just for the absolute cross-check to the face, I mean, 
to me, that's cowardly lion shit. Like Morgan Ryland's a good player. He's better than that. Um, as for the slap shot into the empty net, honestly, man, like I have no problem with it. These are two rivals that have gone at it for a long time. It's a clapper into an empty net. The game is now over. Like, how many times do you see it at the end of playoff series and shit like that, where it's like, that's the nail in the coffin, yep. not that big of a deal. Um, Ottawa does own Toronto, so maybe that's just more <laughs> of their internal pain that they're dealing with. But no, I mean, I I don't have a problem with what Greg did. I, I take consideration of the cross-check there to the face. Like, Morgan Riley's a big boy. Listen, you want to fight him, fight him. Jump him. Cross-check to the face, no bueno. Yeah, I was going to say, like, if you had a problem with it. First of all, I don't really think you should. Like, if you had your goalie in air and he took the same shot, that's okay. But because it's an empty net, it's not. It's like this weird, unwritten rule. And we've played hockey our whole lives. And we've watched thousands of games. I don't think I've ever seen a reaction like that to a slap shot empty net goal. And I know Ottawa and Toronto are rival, things like that. Like, if... The Islanders in yesterday's game, the stadium series game with the Rangers, if they scored an empty net goal and the Rangers pulled Igor twice to ice the game and they ripped a slap shot, I wouldn't have even noticed. I, I wouldn't blink at it. Like, it's one of those yeah. things like, um, what did Keith say after, oh, it was it was deserved or something like that? Like, Sheldon Keefe is a coach in the NHL who now wants to come out and say something like that. I'm surprised he didn't get fined because your guy's getting suspended five games and you're saying it was warranted. So what did it come from you? Like this is the same as like the instigator within the five minute mark where uh, the coach is getting fined $10,000 longer thing where listen, these things dictate the game. Sometimes that instigator within five minutes, someone got hit a guy's dropping the gloves. You give them the instigator. You think that came from the coach? Like, or is that a guy protecting somebody else? So it's just one of those things as to, I was never a big Keith fan anyways. I, I thought when Dubis got the the axe, he was probably going to. Yeah. But now to come out with something like that, it's like, bro, that, that's not a good look. That just comes to me because Riley has gotten a lot of criticism. Keith has gotten a lot of the same criticism. I mean, Toronto's a whole the last decade. Soft. Right, so this just comes to me as an overcorrection to to the point of looking even softer. Where it's like the guys who run their mouth but wouldn't actually drop the gloves. Um, you know, they bring in Simmons and Reeves, and now you have Riley, who's look how tough I am. I cross checked him, and Keith is like, Keith is Keith acted in the way that he thought someone like Tortorella would have acted in the same situation. And Torts would have never said that <laughs> because yeah. Torts is an actual like tough son of a bitch, even as a player and a coach. So yeah. the thing is, I, I mean, obviously you're not thinking of this in that split second in your mind, if you're Morgan Riley, but they don't play Ottawa the rest of the year. So he probably thought like, well, fuck it. You know what I mean? Um, now the five game suspension. Do you think it should have been more, or or do you think Bettman might reduce it? No, I, I think it's kind of five's par for the course. Um, yeah. After the play, dirty. I mean, definitely right to the face. There, there's no 
which way Andrew for butt about that. So, I mean, no, I, I think five, they got it right. It, it, it was ugly. It was, it was not a good look. I, I mean, even in the playoffs, I think you'd be getting a game or two for something like that. So, I, yeah, I, I think that's right where it should be. And even if I uh, just looked it up, Bettman, the hearing is this coming Friday. Even if Bettman reduces it, he's already missed three games. So it's a minimum three-game suspension. Yeah, but you know what it is? It's probably just trying to retain the money on it. Yeah. Whatever. So, yeah. Um, moving on. Uh, so the other big news was that Blue Jackets cleaning house in a front office after a very disappointing season. Um, last in the Metro, 44 points. Um, I mean, they have a lot of good young talent up front. Uh, Wierenski can't stay healthy on a back end. And, you know, they he probably took the fall for the whole Pat, uh, Babcock situation. And then the ownership kept him in place to see, like, what type of year they had. And when you have the Babcock fallout, and then you're basically feuding openly with Elvis Merzikens, um, and then you have a bad year, they're probably like, all right, yeah, let's clean house here. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, I saw that they said that it was actually JD's decision to go through with this, which I find that very hard to believe. Um, I think Yarmo and JD have been together since their days with the Blues. I mean, we're talking two decades, if not more. Um, My issue with the firing is, like you said, there's certain things that have been brought up. Wierenski can't stay healthy. Line A, I mean, who is also a Finn, like Yarmo, is there, was there some blood in the water there with the two of them? I know he's now in the uh, player assistant program, but is this, you know, Yarmo trying to back him a lot? Maybe things are behind the scenes there we didn't know. But then they said, ultimately, there needed to be a change. And now my question is, for JD, the president of hockey operations, to say, we needed a culture change. We needed a shift change. I mean, you plan it on Yarmo? Like, J.D., th- th- this has to do with you. You're, you're the president of Hockey Ops. You're the guy who's making the calls and not. So if you're telling me it needs to be a culture change and, and a change of scenery, why are you not the first to go? I just, now magically, J.D.'s the active general manager, and then you look the other way of, I mean, was it the coach? I mean, they're, they're sticking with the coach after the Babcock thing, like you said. The Babcock thing that happened, do I think that's Yarmo? No, Yarmo fired him once he found out about it. So it's just, I don't know. It's an ugly situation here. Like you said, there's great young talent there. We didn't have them projected for a great year anyway. So I don't know how they seem surprised about this. I but. mean, to be fair... He fired Babcock as soon as he found out, but hiring him was highly controversial to begin with. <laughs> uh, double-edged sword. I mean, listen, he was rehabbed, and then he was going through your phone. So yeah, I, I sometimes I, you need them to get in that situation and know if they're full of shit or not. Yeah, and the other thing with JD is he's been out for a couple months because he had back surgery, um, and they said the decision to fire Yarmo was made weeks, if not months ago, but they they were waiting for JD to come back to make the final decision or to like to actually be healthy before they make the move because they knew he would be kind of running things while he was gone. 
So that's why it took so long, and that's why the timing, like, right before the trade deadline. Yeah, that's fucking weird. cowardly lying. Like, listen, if it ain't working, it ain't working. You yeah. don't need to wait for one guy to come back. Like, J.D. can do that job for, from a cell phone in his bed. He'll be fine. He's a yeah. big boy. Done this and, for a long time. And then the other thing is, if it's a culture thing, there's no way you can keep the coach for next season then. That would be my assumption. Yeah, and they, they said that the new GM is going to be from outside the organization. So it's going to be completely fresh vision, fresh voice, fresh way of doing things. He's going to want his own coach, and he's probably going to want to uh, clean out some of the veterans uh, on the roster as much as he can if necessary. Like, he's not just going to get rid of guys to get rid of guys. But um, I guarantee there's going to be a new coach in Columbus. I wouldn't be surprised if they bring in a GM. And then they bring in a new coach that JD kind of uh, retires, like uh, off until the sunset. Yeah, and retains the dignity of being like, "Listen, I just had surgery. I'm getting older. Like, I, I'm handing off the keys to the new front office, and you guys are in good hands." And then kind of riding off. See, like th- this is my thing, though. This whole roster, Yarmo had his hand on. He had his hand on bringing in Goudreau. For the trade for Ruslavic, um, he had Corrali sign there. You know, Fantilli, he drafted. And then you go to that back end. He drafted Wierenski. He traded for Severson, which he knew New Jersey couldn't keep. Traded for Provorov. Had Goodbranson sign there with Goudreau. Like, he has his hand on this whole roster. Like, I don't think, like, this roster is the problem. When you have that thing sometimes where it's, I can only coach the people you put in front of me. Like, I don't think the roster is the issue. We did not think they were going to perform that good this year. They're a lot younger. They're trying to get better. Like, I don't know. I mean, this is coming from a guy who Seth Jones didn't want to be there no more, and he shipped them out that day. Like, yeah, I don't buy it's a culture thing with Yarmo that needed to go. Yarmo's culture was fine. That's I know I'm a Yarmo guy, but I'm just saying some <laughs> of the other shit a little, smells a little funny to me. That's all. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm like when you run through the roster like you just did, like off the top of your head. I mean, besides Line A, and obviously you're having a situation with your your number one goaltender that's out in the media, which isn't a good look. But the guys that you name and that are in the room are solid veteran guys. Like there's never been a reputation of like, these are bad guys in a room, things like that. And uh, the rest of the room are young kids, like who, how are they going to cause a problem? So I don't think it's a roster atmosphere that needs to get changed. I think there might've been stuff going on behind the scenes where it's like either getting stale or the ownership was just like, guys, we've had one playoff win in 25 years. Like, Which, this believe, isn't working. I understand that, too. And if there's certain things like that that you're worried about, absolutely. I have no issues about it. But I just don't want them saying it's a fucking culture thing when, I mean, like I said, Yarmo to me has been stand-up when it comes to fucking, you don't want to be here, get the fuck out. Uh, <laughs> he's put his dick on the table there a couple of times, being all in at the trade deadline for a big playoff push for them. So that's why I'm just kind of, right, yeah. like, we'll see. <laughs> He'll get another job because when he went all in on that playoff run, like even though it didn't lead to very much, it just like, like we said at the time, guys get fucking jazzed with that. Like they're ready to 
go through a fucking wall. So I think if you're a rebuilding team, I'm calling him up. Like, especially oh, if you're, you're thinking of moving on. In a heartbeat. He'll yeah. have a job by July 1 this year. <laughs> Which, again, if you're thinking about it, like, I'm going to – I'm going – I'm going to go out on a limb here to say where I think he's going to land this offseason. All right. You already got it planned. Okay. Nation's capital. I mean, they, they need it. So I think Fresh Voice, he knows how to handle veteran guys and also rebuild a little bit on a fly. I know they're not going to want to not contend when they have Ovechkin, but at this point he's chasing – a personal record and not a Stanley cup anymore. Like everybody's got to be realistic about that. I'll throw one other one in the mix too. Uh, next to you guys, but on long Island at some point, I think big Lou's going to have to hang it up. And I think here's a guy who strict stern. You want to be here. Or you don't. I know. Yeah. Lou also <laughs> has rules. I just think that it could be kind of the same fit, but different. You know who, uh, I, I mean, this is going deep here, but you know who I finally think gets the head job running hockey operations as the GM oh in boy. Columbus, Matthew Darsh. Okay, no, I, I mean Darsh has been around for a while. It. Yeah, he's been the final candidate for like three straight GM jobs, and he hasn't. I think he finally gets it. All right, I, I can so. live with that. Um. Before moving on to our boys, just a quick thing that I thought was, you know, chef's kiss NHL. It makes sense technically what they what they did, but it's just, again, not good PR. So the whole domestic, not domestic violence, sexual assault case that's going on up in Canada with the eight guys from that, well, seven guys from the NHL. Mm-hmm. The NHL announced that the Flyers, Devils, and Flames are getting cap relief because of the situation. So basically the cap hits from those players aren't going to be counted and they get that for the rest of the year. Like it's on long-term IR and right before the trade deadline. So it's almost like, Hey guys, listen, we know uh, this happened, but you guys are going to be able to replace them adequately. And it's kind of, and I know why, because like, why should the teams be penalized? It's not like they covered up or were involved in any way, but it's like, not really that good of a look. <laughs> yeah, like, I know why you guys are out for, but just uh, fill that void. It's all right. <laughs> so I just wanted to bring it up where it's like, like we were saying before we recorded, where the Sunday after the Super Bowl should be all 32 teams playing. And it should be wall-to-wall NHL on ESPN, ABC, TNT, double ha- like all of it. And it said they would to a Monday President's Day holiday when most people are traveling uh, with their kids for a three-day weekend. And then it's like, okay, let's have 13 games on. Yeah, it seems like a good day to do this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, going through our boys, um, I guess we'll start with you guys up in Beantown. Besides the kind of uneven play you guys have, this is kind of like your second run of the year that you're going through. But – Besides that, I just want to say, you know, congratulations. Uh, you're going to be getting your boy Luch back, his wife not testifying or pressing charges. So he's going to be re-entering the locker room. Uh, he is not. Don Sweeney came out <laughs> right after that and said, uh, 
um, Milan will not be in the Bruins uh, uniform for the rest of the season as he uh, rehabilitates his personal uh, issues and going from there. So the big fella not coming back, but yeah. It's the end of his career. I, yeah, yeah, I agree completely. I, I don't think anyone's going to touch him with a 10-foot pole after that instance. Um, I know the wife did not press char- – well, did not testify. Yeah. Uh, she also did not press the charges, but it was because of her phone call. The police ended up there. Um, you know, they, they have three young kids. It, obviously, it's a scary situation. If they do end up separating or getting divorced, I mean – he has made plenty of money in his NHL career to support her and, and the kids, whatever they choose to do. Yeah, um, yeah just getting away from that. Uh, Marshy has his thousandth game in the NHL. Uh, long time for, for that little ball of hate just to be all around the league. And um, yeah, I mean, number one in your. Uh, as the Bruins, I mean, number one in the program, number one in your heart. Oh, 63 in the program, <laughs> number one in your heart. Uh, I think anybody else. The conference. Yeah, anybody else would definitely take them on their team. He just has a way with words at time to get under people's skin. But, um, no, very happy to at least be there for the majority of his career. I remember we were in the minors in 09-10 together that year, and yeah. I remember seeing him play in Providence. I'm like, this kid can fucking play. Like he's a he's a player, just stuck out. Uh and I think the biggest thing along with his offensive prowess, just being able to put points on the board is his compete. He's always competing. Like, you know, it's one of those things, you know, your little man syndrome or this, that, the other thing, but hey, you, you can't count him out. You, you know, the biggest dog doesn't win in every fight. And I think he's proof of that. I mean, he, he just kind of goes and he's in your face and he's going to rattle your cage. And I, I think he's a perfect fit for here. Hats off to Marshy. Great career so far. Hopefully keep it going, baby boy. Um, I do remember yeah. just to chime in really quick that even his halfway through his rookie year, you and I were saying like, Dude, if you can turn a small guy like that who is a third round pick, even if he's just like a like a solid two way third liner, like that's a win. And now, <laughs> like fucking first line top top of the league, top ten player for like the prime of his career. <laughs> yeah, we did pretty good with that. That was a good trade. Good, good, uh, good third round pick for that one. Um, but no, I mean, as for us skidding a little bit lately, it seems lately that. The defense hasn't been lacking, but I'm not putting it all in the defense. Um, we, we Before we're winning hockey games, I mean, other teams are scoring two goals a game, max. The yeah. last couple of games, they're putting in three, four, and five. Um, definitely a different feel for us. Even the game today, I mean, we were getting it handed to us. We were lucky to come out with two points today. Like, uh, we end up getting one in the last minute and a half to tie it up and we end up winning in a shootout. But no, I mean, some of the shit's not working. I love David Pasternak. I mean, what a sight for the NHL. I mean, great, you know, fan favorite type player. Um, seeing him in the defensive zone. See him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. You're allergic to his defense. I'm allergic to the de- to, to watching his defense just as much as he is playing defense. Because uh, there, there's a point today where... Puck is behind our net. 
Pasta is our right winger. He's not one of those offside right wingers like you know Patrick Kane was a right wing but a left shot. No, Pasta's yeah. a right wing, right right shot. And I don't know if it was McAvoy or Grizzlick, but I see it coming up the boards. And I mean, there's no one there. And then out of nowhere, here comes Pasta, lackadaisical, coming in. And like I said, I mean, the offense is great. But at some point, I mean, we got to put a little bit compete on that back end. I'm not saying you need to uh, be a superstar defenseman for us, Pasta, but I'd just like to see those feet move as far as fast backwards as they do forward. Is he in a Sergei Kostitsin level of effort? Not there yet. I, <laughs> I just think that, like, it's just one of those things that, to me, is visible at times. And you, you get to Boston people, and, and we, I talk about this all the time. What are you talking about? He scores 40-something goals. I get it. He can score. Doesn't mean he's good defensively just because he can score. Well, like, there's certain things where it's like we need to be a little realistic here. Can um, I ask? Yeah, later is on. It more, is it more real, uh, visible now or more consistent now under Montgomery than it was under Cassidy? Ooh, good question. Yes. I would say definitely yes. Okay. Um, I, I think Monty, you know, a lot more of a player's coach w- with the guys and a lot more uh, down to earth than probably Cassidy was. But I think Pasta knew the difference as to – Hey, I can I can't dog it with Cass. I'm gonna be front page of the fucking video thing tomorrow. Then maybe he is with Monty. So, um, yeah. But then there's just little things like defensively as a whole, we're getting collapsed upon. Like under Claude and Butchie, we had really good system coming back and like you know kind of come supporting in layers. So you know you might get through me, but then someone's behind me having that next layer, things like that. And I think part of that is, you know, a back check and consistency and hard work. And it just seems lately that you beat me, you have a clear straight shot to the net because either that other guy's not there pulling hard enough. So I, I don't know what's going on. I think the boys are a little bit of a funk, hoping, you know, getting one today as to a game we didn't deserve to win. Maybe that starts. Yeah, like maybe just something like that will you know, wake the boys up a little bit. You get on a W, something you couldn't have, and you end up back on the other side. But behind us, I mean, <coughs> we're skidding a little bit, but you got Florida, who's 9-1 and one in their last 10. You got Toronto, who's 8-2 and two in their last 10. I mean, we're, we're kind of losing traction. We've been flip-flopping with Florida, but it seems like other teams are starting to heat up, and we're kind of staying middle of the pack. So... Uh, let's fucking wake it up here a little bit. I mean, Tampa's yeah. been six and four. Detroit's been six and three. Fucking Ottawa's been turning it on lately. Six, three, and one. Like, I, I just want to, um, I just want to be consistent. That's all. I'm finally winning that Ottawa Detroit bet three years later. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck man, and like, obviously my boys not are one thing, but like, trade market. I hear all this stuff of who's on the market there because. You know, Chikrin's on the market. Tarasenko's on the market. They said possibly even Giroux. They're trying to ship things out. And don't get me wrong, I get it. But it seemed like now that they have made the coaching change, they're starting to play a little bit better. So, I mean, they're not going to make the playoffs this year, but now it's you got to look at next year as to who you have and who do you not want at this point. So I, if I was them, I would be selling hardcore at the deadline. 
Yeah, I mean, Vlad's a UFA at the end of the year anyway. Uh, I'm surprised to hear about Chikrin, that he would be on the market. Like, that's kind of an odd fit uh, for a trade for a team that's hopefully contending for at least a wild card spot next year. And, and, and I mean, hopefully a team that, you know, did so much to finally land him because he was, yeah. you know, rumored about for so long. And, you know, he's going to Ottawa where he had family from and everything else. So, yeah, I honestly I honestly don't know exactly what the plan is. Um, you do look there. It's Stutzel Kachuk. You got Norris up front. You still have Giroux for this year and next year. Like you said, Tanks UFA. Batherson's back. Joseph had a nice year. Yeah, so it's like they need to figure out exactly what the direction is because some of the names here are good, but, I mean, I just don't know as to where the fall short comes from, especially when they end up getting Corpusalo last year, bringing them in. Like, you have the goaltending. I just, I don't know. I mean, if I'm Ottawa, I'm making a move for a legitimate number one goaltender. Like, I'm going hard after Gibson. Or, you know what I mean? Like, or UC Soros, who's apparently on a market. Like, I'm going hard. Um, Yeah, so moving over to my boys in New York. Um, seven in a row. So, first place. We, we've never dropped out of first place, but we got close with Carolina to them uh, catching us. But the seven-game win streaks kind of buttoned up our uh, division lead again. Yeah. Uh, Beat the Islanders yesterday in a stadium series game and an incredible comeback. Um, and the only reason why we had to make the comeback was because of some shoddy goaltending by Igor. Uh, but two goals late, both on a power play, both with the goaltender pulled to tie it, and then Panarin wins 10 seconds into overtime. Um, I mean... We're playing the way we were earlier in the year. So we were struggling basically from midway through December through the end of January, uh, well, through the All-Star break. And then ever since the All-Star break, uh, it's the same team from earlier in the year. So playing much better defense. Uh, the power play is getting going again. Um, really, especially for the forward group that we have, I know we have Panarin and Kreider and Mika, but... Outside of Lafreniere, we have no right winger on any line. Uh, we have, for the longest time, we had no third center. Our fourth line has been hit or miss all year long. Fox missed 10 games. Ewer's been pretty fucking bad most of the year. And we have 75 points in the first place. So, again, I, it's a broken record at this point. I'm just glad they kind of got out of that tailspin they were in. But they lose Wheeler for the rest of the year, who I know if I've had plenty of complaints about, but he was, you know, playing on our first line right wing. Uh, so he's gone for the year. So VC's in there now, but that's priority number one is to get at least one more right winger for this forward group. Um, they're talking about Tarasenko again. I'm not sure if he's a fit. They're talking about Vetrano. Um, I'm not sure who the guy is to play with Mika and Kreider, but they need to get somebody. And then for the longest time, the number one priority was getting a 3C to replace Heedle. But in the last 10 games, they've had a third line with uh, Cooley, Johnny Brodzinski at, at center, and Kako on the right wing. And it's been our most 
maybe not point wise, but play wise, our best line, even ahead of the Trojak Panera and Lafreniere line. Um, cycling pucks, puck possession. I think they have like a sixty-four uh, percent goals expected for uh, since they've been together. Bronsinski has fourteen points in seven games as a three C. So if they feel confident with Brodzinski at 3C and you're not going to break up that line, then really all you need to do is get a top-line right wing, easier said than done, and then hope Igor gets his head out of his fucking ass. Because uh, if you get quality goaltending, this group is showing that they can go far. Now, you have been at least honest and on this train the whole way of Igor has been a problem this year. Yeah. And now recently, now other people have finally jumped onto this bandwagon. Yeah. And I've heard other people <laughs> and I've heard other people even get to the point of, you know, complete complete desperateness and going, they need to trade Igor before it becomes a you know, a visual problem. And it's like Oh, that's stupid. Like, well, that's what I'm like, are we like talking about the same thing? Like, hey, goalies can have a skin. It, it happens to the best of them. But yeah. but to go into that, I mean, that's a little excessive, no? Yeah, I mean, it's you're not going to trade Igor because of a few bad months. Um, I mean, before the Islander game, he had a shutout against Calgary and looked vintage Igor. Like, it's not like – it's all mental. It's not physical. He's not playing where you look at it and you're like, God, what the fuck? Like, it's just – it's hard to describe. Like, the goal that Bo Horat scored yesterday, I don't know if you saw it, a slapper from the top of the circle on the right wing – get sneaks thrown like that never happens and it's not because he's not good enough it's that's the goal that you should have or even the the Engvall goal where he basically just inside the blue line turns and just wrists a floater on net and it gets past the, like it's shit like that it's not like he's getting lit up he's just letting in bad goals like one or two a game um and statistically he's let in four goals or more 14 times this year He's never done it more than 10 in his career, minors, NHL, or Russia. Uh, he leads the league in goals given up on high glove side among any goaltender in the entire National Hockey League. So I am not – I'm at the point right now where if we're getting close to the playoffs and he's playing the same way, I'm starting quick game one. Like I'm trying to win a Stanley Cup. I don't care about your fucking feelings or fans chanting Igor in the stands. Like I'm trying to win a Stanley Cup. Well, well, that's what I was kind of getting to. So, I mean, there is at least that worrisome. I mean, Quick has been good for you guys this year. So, it's just one of those if, hey, break glass in case of emergency, you're comfortable yeah. with going to Quickie. I mean, as surprised as I am to say it, if I had, if, again, if Igor is playing the way he is now, I'm starting Quick. I think Igor turns it around because. He had the all-star break off. He's been working with Alaire. Like, there's just too much talent there and track record, even before the NHL, for him to be, to not be able to at least... I'm Again, we're not expecting him of Igor of two years ago with the sub-two goals against average 930 save percentage. All we need with this group is slightly above average goaltending. That's all. That's all we need, and we're going to go, I think, pretty far in the postseason on a run here. I think Igor can get back there. Now, long-term, he's a UFA at the end of next season. If he finishes the year on an uneven stance, he's entering next year as a lame duck goaltender. I'm not giving you an extension until I see you next year. 
and, and I think that's fair. Like, well, we will cross that bridge when we get there. Let's get through this. <laughs> And go from there. You're, you're, yeah, hopefully we never have to worry about it because he guides us to a Stanley Cup championship, and then all's forgiven. All's forgiven. All right. <laughs> um, but besides that, quickly around the league, just kind of bouncing around here, uh, the Devils are nipping at the heels of the Flyers, uh, five points behind with two games in hand. Pittsburgh still is just not turning it around. I think they're toast. Like I know we talked about this last episode, but. Like you can't be this late in year in a year, and you're this far out of a playoff spot. Um, and then the other thing is, like, what's going on in the Central Division? Like, St. Louis is now in a playoff spot. Nashville is right behind them. Minnesota's coming on now, seven and seven and two and one in the last ten. What do you make of kind of that jumble spot for the wild card positioning? Because obviously, no one's catching Dallas, Colorado, Winnipeg in that division, but out of St. Louis, Nashville, Minnesota, can any of those teams make a run for one of the wild card spots? I don't know. It seems like it is so, like you said, back and forth. My only worry on the other end is how consistently good the Pacific has been. It's like at least those people that are around the cusp, like LA's been good the whole year. I know they had that yeah. and they had a fire McLennan, but it's like, where do we finally end up? God, fuck me, man. Um, uh, I, I can tell you for sure. I know that uh, Chicago will not be there. <laughs> Chicago, Arizona, San Jose, Anaheim, and Calgary. Guaranteed out. Yeah. No, we um, got we got Dallas 76, Colorado 72, Winnipeg 71. And then you go to the other side where it's Vancouver 80, Vegas 70, Oilers 67. Currently, wild card one is... LA, LA with 64. And then we have the Blues with 60. Nashville yeah, 58, has 58, 58, 57, 57. <laughs> and, and Minnesota kicked it on lately, too. Yeah. If I was going to go with any of them, I'm going with Minnesota with Flurry. I think Flurry would at least be able to get them to the dance. I am going Seattle. See, uh, see, I love the Kraken. My only thing with the Kraken is that they have been so up and down this year that it's like they are extremely hot or extremely cold. There has been no in between with them. See, I've, and I'm attracted to that as with my women. So <laughs> I, I can feel that in my soul—a little up, little down. <laughs> you know? um, and lastly, in the East. I just want to comment on, so you have Boston, Florida, and Toronto. I'm expecting Toronto to hold down to that third spot. Um, and then Rangers, Carolina, and Philly? Maybe the Devils catch them. And then from there, you have Detroit, who's hung around longer than anybody thought. It's basically them, Tampa, and either New Jersey or Philly battling for that, those wild card spots. I I'm with you. I'd, I'd like to see Philly hold on. I just, I don't know, man. Like we always say that Thanksgiving, it's so easy. Just go off at Thanksgiving. Everyone will know everything. And now, <laughs> magically now everyone wants to turn it on. So yeah. I, I don't know what to think. And the Islanders, even after firing Lambert and bringing a Wah, not much has changed. No, I'm, I'm not buying on the Islanders. Uh, I was never a big Islanders guy anyways, but it's like currently one is Tampa, 
uh, for the wild card. And it's like, okay, so even if Tampa and Toronto flip-flop, one of them is going to be wild card one. Uh, I'm not worried about that. Are the Devils ever going to turn it on? Doubt it. Um, and I just, I don't trust Detroit there either. I mean, I guess, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, so that'll either be Tampa or Toronto. I, I will say it stays where it is then, that Detroit will keep the two. Wow, okay. And for me, at least in my division, I think Pittsburgh leapfrogs the Islanders and Capitals, even if they don't make a run for a wild card spot, like they're going to, I think they'll leapfrog those two teams easily. And then I do think New Jersey catches Philly only because Philly is still like, there's apparently there's rumors going around that they're talking to the Rangers about trading Lawton to the Rangers. Like they're still in like, yeah, we're going on a nice little run here, but we're not going to sacrifice getting assets. And I think, that might have a negative impact on the room a little bit. Kind of like the opposite of what happened in Columbus a couple of years ago. Okay. Yeah. I just, um, I'm such at a crossroads here. Cause like I said, there's like so many teams I don't like or buy into, but it's hard to see other teams now magically turning it on. So, well, if you finish, let me ask you this as a Bruins fan, you fi- let's say you finish first in the division mm-hmm. first in the conference. Which team do you not want to see in a first round as a wild card team? Funny enough, Detroit. We have not had a good year against Detroit. Okay. I, I was going to say, like, there's no way I want to see the fucking Lightning in the first round. <laughs> oh, it's just been – we have not had a good year with Detroit. So it's like I that's the one team I wouldn't want to see in the first round. Don't get me wrong. Everybody else, you know, they have their own issues, Toronto, Tampa. But for whatever reason, Detroit has our number this year. Yeah. My thing is, our luck, it's going to be Tampa or New Jersey in the first round. And it's going to be like, of course, we had to draw, besides the Bruins and Panthers, the two teams most people picked to potentially go to the Stanley Cup Finals. Like, great, another easy first-round matchup. Yeah, that's so even if we fell and Florida flip-flopped with us, two and three is either going to be Boston-Toronto or Boston-Tampa. And then if we stay one, currently it would end up being Detroit, who I don't want to play. Yeah. So Can you imagine Boston-Toronto again? <laughs> you know, just, just another day at the office. That's all. We need to change this playoff formatting, man. Like, I'm tired I mean, of this 1-3, one, 1-4, one, uh, one, 2-3. It's the same fucking teams every year. Well, that – I mean, I know how they went into the quote-unquote that um, – it was going to bring back um, oh, the rivalries. rivalries. I haven't seen that. I mean, I've seen Tampa and Toronto play each other over and over again. As for the quote-unquote rivalry, I mean, haven't seen it. It's not like it carries over into the regular season or anything like that. No. Um, yeah, I, I agree. There needs to be some sort of change with the playoff format. What will it be? It should just go back to what it was. One eight, one eight, two division, two division winners are one and two, and then it's three through eight is just by points, not by division, or it's just three through eight. Well, I I think that getting away from that old school shitty fucking um, which division was it? Was it the southeast? Oh, yeah, where the division winner had, like, less points than everybody else. Yeah, like, that was the one thing that killed me. But, yeah, if we just went 
two division winners and then, you know, the one through eight, I am a okay with that. Like I have no problem with that, but yeah, yeah, there I needs mean, to be something NBA nice. where it's like, if the number three seed has higher, a uh, higher total points than the division winner who finishes second, then the third seed gets the two seed. Yeah. I mean, and I'm okay with that too, but no, I, I'm with you. Something does need to change. Yeah. I'll send you after we're done. Cause I'll have time to hammer it out. If the playoffs started today, what the matchups would be with the current format and what the format we think it should be and see it like how much better the playoff race might be. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Um, all right, so game of the week, lock of the week. Oh, hold on, hold on. Let me, let me on control. My, let my me other tab. In. in my tab open, that's all. We're loading. We're good. All right, <laughs> my game, game of the week is tomorrow night, Vancouver at the Avalanche. Um, Obviously – Plenty of offensive firepower there. Two teams that could probably face each other in a conference final. My lock of the week. You know what? I'm going to give you the kiss of death, my friend. Oh, God. Wednesday, February 21st. I'm going Boston over Edmonton in Edmonton. All right. Well, can can I give you a... uh, a, (laughs) I'll give you a pick as well. My game of the week for tomorrow. uh, Dallas at the Rangers. I mean two top teams in the division. I, I think that's going to be a, a good little battle there. I agree with you though, too. Vancouver at Colorado is a fucking great game. Yeah. Um, Where's Steve Moore when you need him? Oh, Jesus. Don't say that. <laughs> that I'll end up suing the pod over that. <laughs> and then my lock of the week. And you know what? I like to get a little frisky sometimes. I'm hoping that they don't catch the Vegas flu but I'm going to say Toronto will beat Vegas on Thursday night in Vegas. All right. I will say the Rangers stars matchup. I went to the game in Dallas in November. Rangers should have won that one. And then they just let the game get away from them there. So I'm hoping the boys get a little bit of payback tomorrow and they don't let it be a trap game because they're coming off the stadium series on Sunday. And then they have the devils on, on uh, Thursday. So I'm hoping they don't get caught you know, riding a high and then looking forward to New Jersey. And then they let Dallas kind of come into MSG and run all over them. Well, I will also say the other thing too is um, I know Dallas is on a back-to-back after playing today, but I mean, they played an early game today. So they were probably in New York by seven, had a nice dinner and in bed. So I was going to say they had a nice dinner reservation in uh, probably little Italy. <laughs> yeah, so I-, I think that uh, they were definitely prepared and it's not like you're getting a team off a of back-to-back you're like they came in late they're tired so yeah i will say the rangers schedule so they had the stadium series yesterday nationally televised they have dallas at home tomorrow they have new jersey on thursday and the flyers on saturday oh okay nice little matchup this week yeah games if are we up win, maybe if we beat new jersey and philly that's going to really pad our divisional lead there yeah, well, I, that's why I think like once you get to this point now, the games themselves of the division are the most important. Like you know, you're playing yeah. everybody else, you're, you're going to skid a little bit, but as for the division games, are massive just to keep your lead or pad your stats or to get ahead from the next guy. So, yep. Uh, any shout outs? Shout outs this week. Um, ironically enough, the other day, uh, Cam had a game. And coaching next to me on the bench, old school AHLer and NHLer Brad Staubitz. So nice catching up with Staubitz. 
Um, yeah, that was good. Cam got player of the game that game too. The the most valuable player chain, which was awesome. Nice. So, um, yeah, it, it was good. What about you? I. Uh... It's been oddly calm, so I'm going to just give calm. a shout no, out. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, oddly calm with work, with non-work stuff. So I'm going to take that as a win and say, like, not having a shout out this week is actually a good thing. Not a bad thing. Take take it when you can <laughs> get it, my friend. And it's springtime here, so I'm happy that not having to deal with any more cold weather here in Oklahoma, which is a sentence I never thought I would ever fucking say. <laughs> funny how it works at times <laughs> all right so we're coming up on a trade deadline uh, i think next week we'll do like a full-on preview of you know our top players available in our own order um we can make trade predictions things like that and obviously obviously still talk about our boys um and then pretty much the next episode would be deadline day so <laughs> yeah um sorry i was i was giggling about something else that i just i, I just got eight oh, you finally got my nude oh no it wasn't even that i was just I, i'll have to tell you off the thing okay. like, someone's, getting, <laughs> someone's getting the jump on wish me a 10 month uh jump on wish me a happy birthday but there was some <laughs> there's some other stuff attached to it so all right <laughs> fucking hey hey everybody <laughs> bye bye <laughs> Hey, Nico, how was it? Thanks for showing up. It was fucking amazing.